Hello, and welcome back to BCF Moment of Truth. We are Bethel Campus Fellowship, a non-denominational campus ministry, and our vision is to lead students to Christ and prepare them to become reliable men of men and women that God can entrust with this word for the next generation. Thank you for tuning in once again. My name is Sarah Aryi and I will be your host. And we are here today with a few special guests. I'll go ahead and introduce them. First, we have Eunice Adewumi. She is an alumni of UMES and she graduated from UDC. Hello, Eunice. Hi, everyone. Welcome. We also have Sophia Iwagu. She served at University of Maryland College Park and is currently a student at UDC as well. Hi, Sophia. Hi. And we also have our national director, Uncle George. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah and welcome. We're happy to have you all. So today our topic is we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. It sounds like a weighty one. It sounds like a very serious one, but you know, today we're really going to just dive in and break it down so that everyone is able to one, know and be very aware of the enemy's schemes and devices and also know how to overcome. And this topic comes from this scripture in second Corinthians chapter two, verse 11. And it says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Another version says, in order that Satan might not take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So this tells us that it is possible for Satan to outwit believers or take advantage of believers if we do not know what his schemes and devices are. So before we start, I'm just going to pray really quickly. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, oh God, for another time to get into your word and just share the truth and shed light on very important topics. We just ask, Holy Spirit, that every person listening, God, would have ears to hear. We pray, God, make your truth plain and known to everyone. And we pray, Lord, that we believers would not be ignorant of the enemy's devices, but that we would walk in truth, that the truth that we know would set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. So today we're going to be very plainly just exposing the devices and the schemes of the enemy. There are many college students and high school students who are in bondage and some know it and some may not even know it themselves, whether it is in their academia, in their family, parents are quarreling, whether it's depression, anxiety, hopelessness, whether it is, you know, going through troubles and feeling like God has abandoned them. There are so many different things that the enemy uses to really get people to just not have the correct view of God or just be completely defeated as Christians. But hopefully by the end of this podcast, everyone listening will know not only how to identify the schemes, but also overcome. Amen. 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 So I want to just introduce this, you know, this first point. So in John 8, 44, the Bible tells us that the devil very plainly is a liar and he perverts the truth. And we know that there are things that we as believers generally know as are, are just plain false. We know that sex before marriage is wrong. We know that God is good. He's, he can't do evil. The things that we know. But then there are also things that resemble the truth or appear to be truth, but are actually lies because, you know, there's no in between with God. Either it's it's white or it's dark, it's light or it's darkness. So we want to just start off by just discussing the topic of, you know, lies and have truth. We know that the devil lies. He twists scriptures. We also know that, you know, he also tries to get us to have itching ears and want to hear things that don't align with the word of God. So let's start there. Can we actually just start off looking at second Timothy chapter four, verse three? Yeah, I can, go, I can take off from there. Um, okay. I want to just also emphasize what you're talking about when you say that uh, people are being misled or overcome by the devil. Um, it's amazing. I've been in ministry now with uh, college students for so long, and I see how very innocent people who want to serve God are still in captivity. You know, they, they made confession, they're trying, they want to love, they, they love the Lord. But for some reason, they are still cornered by the devil and they're not operating at full potential. And that's the essence of this uh, conversation, that people may know how not to be cornered by Satan, how to fulfill the potential that Christ has bestowed upon us through the cross of Calvary. There's so much life, abundant life, there's so much victory, you know, in, 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 for a Christian who will understand the difference between the voice of Satan, the guidance of Satan, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, in, in Paul was trying to teach him, uh, Timothy. And one of the things he said to him was in uh, Second 
uh, Timothy chapter 4 from verse 3. say, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to me. This is one area, one major area where people have been cornered. People want to hear what makes them happy. People want to listen to preachers that do not rebuke, do not correct, you know, teachers that they just, you know, uh, that flows with them, that makes them happy, that gives them false hope and tells them it's okay when no, when it's not okay. Tells them that, uh, you know, they're going to heaven when in fact they're heading to hell. That tell them that being in the broad road is better than being in a narrow road, as Christ put it for us. So it, itching ears, how do, how do they happen? They happen by the, your choice of the church you go to. You know, just going to a church where, you know, the, the, the pastor or whoever is the minister is making you happy. You know, going to listening to social media messages. You know, these days there are so many unvetted, unvetted uh, sermons that yeah. are in the, you know, no, but people don't even ask who preached them. It's, they're so sweet and they give <laughs> so you hope. Sweet. You know, it's going to be well with you. You know, you'll prosper and nobody tells you that sin, which is the reason for which Christ died, should be avoided. Mm. You know, so I will stop there and then wait for my colleagues to add to this conversation. But we all have to be very, very, very cautious of what messages we are listening to and who is preaching it, where it's coming from. Is it coming from the Holy Spirit or from just a carnal mind? I agree. And I think it's something that Paul was trying to communicate all throughout the scriptures, because even in Philippians chapter three, um, it's starting from verse 18, Paul speaking again. And he says, for I've told you before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes. So Paul was obviously distressed. It was painful. It was paining him what he was going to say. And he said that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. Paul is literally saying he has tears in his eyes. His spirit is crying. Like there's a level of just distress and anguish seeing the people of God literally being outwitted and taken advantage of because of a device of the enemy causing us to have desires where we just want what we want. We want to hear what we want to hear. We want to do what we want to do. And all we care about is this earth, what's happening on earth, what's happening on TV, having a reputation before carnal men who can't even give us anything other than things that will perish. You know, when I look at scripture um, and I look at, you know, the early times of believers and everything, I see that there was so much persecution for real, true believers. But what's happening now is that being a quote unquote Christian has become a trend. And that's when we have to be weary. Like, why is this a trend? You know, why is this a trend is because I get to do whatever I want, you know, because there's grace and all the time, you know, I can do whatever I want, however I want to. And anyone that corrects me cannot be for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what um, is portrayed in today's Christianity and today's social media Christianity. Um, and that's why I think Paul in that Philippians chapter three, verse 18, where he says that um, there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies um, of the cross of Christ. So even though we saying we're saying, hey, I'm a believer, I'm a believer, but their conduct shows that they are enemies um, of the cross of Christ. And then again, second Timothy chapter three, verse nine, verse one to nine. Um, and I'll read it really quickly. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, mm -hmm. lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good treacherous, 
rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then it says, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who warm their, who worm their ways into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Hmm. Amen. Amen. I just want to add that one thing we have seen with leading young people to Christ is that they are looking for people who will help them know what to do next. And sometimes when they don't feel like they have any direction, they they go to the loudest voice, they go to the most charismatic um, leaders and they ask for direction. And so Colossians 3, 1 through 15 actually explains to us how to live this new life in Christ Jesus. And so my encouragement to all of us as young people that are pursuing righteousness is to really find what you're looking for through the word of God so that when you do go, the Bible says in first John, that we're supposed to test all spirits. First John chapter four. Um, let me so first John, sorry. Okay. Test all spirits or many false prophets have entered into the world. And so the only way you're able to discern truth is when you're able to know the truth. And we're actually going to talk about that a little later by knowing the truth, the truth sets you free. And so I'm going to read Colossians three, verse one through 15. Um, the Bible says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not things of earth, for you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And that's actually one of my favorite scriptures, um, verse three, right? Our new real life is hidden in Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share all his glory. And then from verse five forward, it tells us what to now do in this new journey with the Lord. It says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you, having nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you were a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And so this scripture outlines how we're supposed to live our new life in Christ Jesus, because we're no longer living for ourselves. We're now living in Colossians 3 and the Amplified Version says our new real life is hidden in Christ and God. And so the reason it says it so like so clearly is because the life we live is no longer to satisfy our own selves, but we're actually living to, to give God glory. We're actually living to follow the way he desires us to live so that he may be known on this earth. And so the itching ears that sometimes we fall prey, like we're, we're prayed to sometimes is because we're trying to find what satisfies us and we're not actually dead. Mm -hmm. But when we actually start following scriptures, we realize that the Lord is actually wanting us to lay down our desires and lay down our wants so that we can live a life that he's actually called us to live so that he may be known. And so mm -hmm. I think the beautiful thing about you know, the scripture is that it really makes it very clear to us. If you're not sure of what enemies devices look like, what the byproducts are, it's all plainly listed. If you would just even just take a minute and just sit down and read through every single word one by one, fornication, uncleanness, evil desire, covetousness, you can really yourself sit and pinpoint like, wow, this is not of God. These are the angles and the schemes that the enemy uses. And you're able to say, okay, for me to know that I've now hidden myself in Christ 
everything else that is listed there, I'm able to see and apply it to my own life. I think that itching ears actually come from when we hear these things and we are caught up in them and we hear them and we, are, we have a hardened heart. We don't want to change because we're enjoying it or because for some reason we can't it's be pleasurable. Away. Then we, we, we stop going to where these things are being said. Mm. That's where itching ear comes. We stop going to ministers that talk about this because it's in our hearts. Because when we hear it, it hurts us because we know we have it, but we don't want to give, give them up. That's when people start floating and looking for messages that pacify them and no longer hurts them. And that's how we develop seared consciences. And, you know, it just becomes, Christianity just becomes one of the things that we do, but it's not bearing fruit in our lives. Yeah. And the enemy really plagues on that because if you're in a place where your heart is hardened, he can also twist the scriptures and cause you to begin to believe things that are not true. Because when your heart is hardened, you almost you become an enemy of, of Christ because you're no longer taking in the true word of God. And we even see this in the garden with Eve when the serpent came in Genesis chapter three and began to twist the scriptures right before her very eyes saying, did God really say, did God really say? And we see this even in the lives of students where all the time, you know, if you're praying for someone at the altar, people always say, I think God hates me, or I don't think that God loves me. The enemy is telling me that, you know, how could God care about you? Or how could God love you? If this, that, this, that I read the scriptures, but I can't really reconcile or understand it. And I want us to look at a scripture in Matthew 13, um, which is the parable of the sower. And it shows what the enemy does with the word of God when it, when we, when we are, when it's being, when we are receiving it, sorry, I'm going to read it really quickly from Matthew 13. Starting from verse 18, it says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. That is the device of the enemy. He is there when we are hearing messages in different forms, whether at church, whether through rebuke and his job, he's literally seeking to snatch the word out of our hearts when we do not understand it. Verse 20, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they do not have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. And then we know the seeds that fall upon good ground are those who truly hear the word and understand God's word and produce a harvest 60 or even a hundred times as more as has been planted. And so here we see that, you know, which it, with itching ears, when you have these you know, desires to just want to hear what you want to hear. You don't want to hear rebuke. You don't want to, you don't want any authority over you. The enemy literally sees sees that as an opportunity to pervert the word of God for you not to understand it, for it to literally be uprooted out of your heart. And with that, I actually wanted to just transition to another device because when these things happen, we can end up in a place of hopelessness and depression and even just, you know, generally just feeling disappointment. And we know that as Christians in this life, we can't deceive ourselves. There's going to be some level of disappointment. You know, maybe you'll fail an exam. You know, maybe you're just generally facing tough times. It, it comes. The Bible tells us that it will come. And, you know, a device of the enemy is to cause us to really think that if we are suffering or if we're going through a tough time, then it means that God hates you. Or it means that he's actually not forgiving your sin and he's punishing you. And the enemy, enemy really plagues on that. I want us to kind of discuss that a little bit when it comes to the, those areas. I think um, one thing that I wanted to touch on is talking about one of the, the ways to know the devices of the enemy is really to understand the nature of the enemy. The nature of Satan is he is called the father of lies. That means that what he has said, what he says, everything he says, everything out of his mouth is a lie. Um, and when we read um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, 
Um, it talks about how Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So when you're talking about somebody that disguised themselves as something, it means that it's believable. And that's the whole job of Satan. I, I, one thing that I realized is that when Satan wants to give you a lie, he doesn't come out with a straight up lie, but he tries to put a lie in some truth because truth with a little bit of lie is a lie. So he'll mm. tell you that, okay, um, God is a God of grace. You can do whatever you want all the time. And yes, he's a God of grace, but he also desires that we live holy and righteous lives. So already in that, the enemy has already deceived many because they're thinking that I can do whatever I can, you know, whatever, and it'll be totally okay. No consequences and everything like that. Or when we're talking about the enemy lying to us that we're hopeless, you know, the enemy will say, hey, this thing that you're going through, don't you see that God doesn't love you? Don't you see that, um, you know, you're, you're worthless? Don't you see he's forgotten about you? But the truth of the matter is that when we read scripture, it tells us that we should actually even rejoice in the things that we go through. Why? Because God is building us. God is teaching us um, through that. Yeah. 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 We had to just continuing from where Sarah stopped. Uh, Sarah said that, you know, talked about looking at the different ways that Satan actually um, is outwitting the, the brethren. Um, there are many, many, many ways, but we can certainly uh, look at just sickness, you know, just uh, being yeah. attacked by sicknesses. Um, the sicknesses are just biological failures in our bodies. You know, when your biology fails, you become sick. And biology is simply part of our, you know, physical life, natural life. Um, we, God created us to be healthy, right? But then we, when it's like a vehicle, when a vehicle starts malfunctioning, when the mechanic, me, uh, mechanisms or the thing that get the car working stops working in our own body, so we, 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 we tie it to suffering and it's actually suffering. I've been sick before. Um, is, is, is deep. But let me tell, tell us something. I want to point out that a believer must not be threatened by death. Mm. It's very, very important that we know that a believer must not be threatened by death. The highest level of the weapon, the, the most serious weapon of Satan is what? Death. death mm. You know? And Christ came and did what? And conquered death. You know, there's a reason the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, verse um, 11, and I'll quickly read that. There are three things that we overcome Satan with. Mm. You know, that, that every believer must understand. It says um, we overcame him. We, we, we usually remember three, uh, two. Mm. The first two, but we don't pay attention to the uh, the third one. He said, therefore, he said they, they, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from yes. death. So when they, 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 when a believer becomes afraid of death, you will come. There's a chance to compromise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a chance to come. Even believers go to different places to get salvation from their sicknesses. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, they go to voodoo, they do all manner of things to just keep their lives. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, we become, we become victim of, victims of Satan. You know, so sickness is one. Failure is one. For students, usually failure can be a threat. You know, Satan can use failure to manipulate you. And that's why you come in. You don't see a difference between a believer and a non-believer when it comes to cheating in the classroom. Yeah, I'm a professor and I see these things happening in the classroom. People are desperate Mm. to to succeed. And that's another threat, another devices of Satan. If you are desperate to succeed in life, desperate, you can do anything to succeed. Mm. The, 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 The enemy will trap you. You know, if Jesus was desperate to survive the cross, he would not have reached the cross. You know, if he if look at what happened in Gethsemane, he was under threat. He knew he was he was in pain. He sweated. He was in fact blood was coming out of him as, as the Bible wrote. You know, because of the tension that he had, but he stood his. He was focused. He was he was looking for the joy that was before him. He looked. You know, he continued to look. Towards Golgotha. Yes. So, but students, 
I see them in the class just to pass one math, a math class. For, for for a minute, they practice unbelief. For a minute, yeah. they follow Satan. You yeah. know, they, they they steal, they cheat, and so we need to be able to uh, overcome such trials and temptations yeah. in order to keep Satan away from our lives. Yes, um, yeah. the failure is a real one, and I'll briefly just share very quick um, my own experience with that. I remember I was in a in a course where we had a take home exam. And the professor said, you take the home, take, take the exam home. You have it over the weekend. You have 75 minutes to do it. Email me when you start, email me when you finish, bring it to class on Monday. And I was taking this exam and I was going through it and 75 minutes were up and I did not do three questions that were worth 20 points each, meaning that automatic D. And at that moment, I recognized the device of the enemy. And it was like, I can actually tell a professor that I'm done and continue working and just start Googling the answers. Or I can just by faith say, you know what? I did not finish. And it was interesting because I actually felt that real tug in my heart. Like, what should I actually do? Um, but praise God for the Holy Spirit that reminds us of these scriptures. And I wrote on my paper, I did not finish the last few questions and I turned it in. When I got to class, everybody was talking about, did you actually use 35 minutes? They were like, no, I just kept going. I just told them I finished. And then they asked me and I said, I actually used 75 minutes and I didn't finish. And I still turned it in. And they were looking at me like, are you crazy? Do you want to fail this class? Have you lost your mind? The next day when we got our papers back, I got my paper back. The professor said, I dropped three questions from the exam. Wow. So three questions that I did not answer were completely taken out. And I saw the scriptures are really true. The enemy would use that. People know that I'm a Christian in this class. And I could have easily just said, yeah, me too. I cheated. But see how God even backs that up. So it's a really, it's a real thing that happens. And actually you just want to, oh, you can go ahead, Sophia. Yeah, I just want to also share a testimony because this was truly God. Um, For one of my classes last semester, we had like a take home midterm, which was like, why are you doing this to us? Because- (laughs) After the teacher left the class, everyone was like, you know, just, ask, you know, use Google. You know what I mean? Everyone was encouraging people to cheat. And I'm just like, this is not fair because for me, I know I'm not going to cheat. And I just felt like it was a disadvantage already that mm-hmm. everyone's going to cheat. I'm not going to cheat. So one of my classmates, she actually um, asked me like, hey, do you want to like take the exam in the same like study room in the sense so that we can just take it at the same time, be done at the same time? And I was like, wow, like that's good because it's accountability that we both will be faithful to just do our exam. And so I literally studied like crazy for that exam. And I I did my exam. We both did it. We didn't talk about it. We just did it on our own. We submitted it. The exam score came out like two weeks later and I got a hundred percent. Wow. And then when the final came out, my, I, you know, I, I never ever knew that you can get an A plus in the class. I actually got an A plus on my wow. transcript. And my professor saw me in the hallway one day and she's like, Sophia, you're an exceptional student. Mm-hmm. Sophia, like, Sophia, your grades, you were just so good that I, I, I like, I, I can't believe it. And she was just so shocked. And I'm like shocked because I don't know with other students how they did, but even if they cheated on the midterm, it didn't pay off at the end. And so like the Lord was able to help me just with integrity and, and overcoming that desire to like do well and just Mm -hmm. focus on, I'm going to just be faithful with not cheating. And Lord was able to teach me what I needed so that at the time for the final, I was able to succeed as well. You mentioned one word. Um, you almost felt like you had a disadvantage. Yeah. And it reminds me in John chapter five, the lame man who'd been lame for 38 years. And he said, there is no angel to come and stir up the pool so that I can get healed. Yeah. That's another device of the enemy, making you think that you are at a disadvantage yeah. because, you know, of your immigration status, you're an international student, you're, you're a single parent. You only have a single parent in the home. You're an only child. You're, you're a minority student. You're at a disadvantage. But it's funny when Jesus came to the man the first thing he said was do you want to be made whole yeah and you know what the man's response was there's no one to come stir up the pool there's no angel here but Jesus said do you want to be made whole and he just said, get up and walk. Yeah. So the enemy will really make you think that because of circumstances, you're at a disadvantage. And it is a complete lie yeah. because when we call upon Jesus, he actually answers. Yeah. You know, thank you again for <clears throat> bringing up the whole idea of uh, people feeling disadvantaged. And that plays into our community um, of, uh, you know, students, believers and young people, young adults. I always often hear people say, well, I was abused when I was a little child. You know, I'm sure you're all familiar with that type of thing. Yeah. You know, I watched uh, 
My somebody introduced me to porn. I know people don't want to really take responsibility for their actions. And so we claim a lot of disadvantaged situations, you know, that hinder us, that hold us down. But the good news is this, and I would like to say it boldly. The Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he's what? A new creation. The reason Christ came was to remove us from the old dispensation of sin and pain and guilt and restore us to hope. So until we begin to know and understand that something really happened in our, at the cross, that when we believe that there was a transformation, there was a translation that occurred from the dominion of Satan to the, you know, kingdom of God, where there is freedom. People will continue to allege, oh, my father hated me. My father didn't do this for me. My mother didn't do this for me. This, my teacher did this to me. Mm-hmm. I grew up in poverty. No, Christ came and changed everything and gave all of us hope that if you will believe, you will see you are able to conquer Satan every minute of your life. Amen. 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 I want us to also talk about another area that I think the enemy's devices are also very apparent, and that is attacks on family. You know, whether that is perverting what marriage means today, whether that is turning mother against father, father against son. A lot of students, um, when they get saved, become so radical. They have zeal, but no knowledge. And they go home and completely turn on their parents. All of a sudden, their parents are devils. They're not obeying them. They're, you know, all this and all that. And the enemy really uses that as a device to tear families apart. And now you're Christian. Your Christianity lives a very leaves a very bitter taste in your parents' mouth. What is general quarreling and, you know, warfare in the home or general spiritual warfare? I want us to talk about that as well. In 1 Peter 5, 8, we know the Bible says that we should be vigilant. We should stay alert because the devil is roaring around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's literally looking. He's looking to see how he can devour us. Also, in Ephesians 4, 26, it says that, you know, we shouldn't give the devil a foothold. A foothold. He just needs one entrance to enter in and turn families against each other. And, you know, I work with high school students and I see it all the time where, you know, parents begin to complain ever since you joined that BCF, you know, you've just become uh, worse than you were before. You, you weren't acting like this. You know, you can't even wash dishes, but you're going to uh, get so many experience. You're going to Marvis in the counter, but you're, you're talking back to me. That is literally the device of the enemy to make us think that because we now have zeal, because we're Christians, all of a sudden we can just do whatever we yeah. want to do. Yeah, it's not, it's not like that. I, mm-hmm. I see it as, I also see the lie of the devil when many people are having issues and they are using Christianity to mask their problems. Mm-hmm. You know, I have suddenly become spiritual. They are, you know, it's like masquerading. Uh, instead of dealing with the root cause of their problems, mm-hmm. they are going from one Bible study to another and mm-hmm. then they become very spiritual, but their hearts are still unregenerated. They are angry in their hearts. They are carrying unforgiveness in their hearts. They are fighting everybody around them. You don't see the love of God emanating from them, flowing. They are still as bitter as they used to be mm-hmm. when they, before they gave their, their life to Jesus Christ. They still hate their dad. You know, I like to say dad, you know, because moms are usually love, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, some people, I have also seen many students that fell apart with their moms and begin yeah, to yeah. insult their moms, insult their dads. And they say, that's the device of Satan. Yeah. Because the father, you say you are born again. The, the, if you are not bearing the fruit of being a Christian, you are still not, you know, born again. Yeah. So we need to ask ourselves questions all the time. Are we truly bearing the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. If you are not, then you are caught up in some of these devices we are talking about today. Really quickly, just, you know, to just back that up with another scripture, Ephesians 6, 1 says, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It doesn't say obey your parents if they're Christian, even if your parents are witch doctors, you know, it says obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Of course, if your parents are saying deny Jesus Christ, that's different. But it's things like, you know, wash the dishes. Let me know when you're going to be out late. You know, just Obey your parents in the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Yeah, Sophia. Yeah, that, that's a scripture I was actually focusing on. And in, in addition to that scripture in verse three, it says, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have long life on earth. And so it's not only a commandment, but it's also there's a promise attached yeah. to that commandment. There's promises that the Lord has in store for us as believers, as new believers, as children of God. If we're able to follow 
the leadership of the people that he's entrusted us into their care. And then going back to the scripture we talked about earlier with Colossians 3 that talks about how to live in Christ. Verse 13 said, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And so Uncle George was just talking about how a lot of times we're dealing with unforgiveness to our dads, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of times like, yes, people wrong us. People will wrong us. There's so much that's happened before we've come to know the Lord and there's things that will happen afterwards, but that doesn't dictate how we respond. The word of God is actually what leads us to know how to respond to actions. And the Lord is actually asking us to forgive those who offend us. So even before you go home, you know that your parents are going to say something about you being a believer. They don't like that, but you choose to love them anyway. You know that there's going to be a, there's going to be an argument about you going to conference. They don't want you to go and you, you choose to honor them and find ways to continue to build peace and ask God for wisdom on how to love your parents and, and ask God for wisdom on how to do things so that you can actually pursue going to the ministry events or pursue opportunities to serve in the campus ministry. Cause even in my family, I'm going to tell, tell you guys that like, I'm actually a pastor's kid, but that actually caused a lot of war when I gave my life to Christ and I wanted to serve in BCF. My dad was like, Sophia, your grades aren't good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How can you be serving? Come on, drop this thing right now. And I, and I honestly, I was like, no problem. I'll, I'll, I won't be president. No problem. But guess what? I'm still going to be a volunteer. I'm still going to evangelize. I'm still mm-hmm. going to love people. I'm still going to be a Bible study. So I don't have to be a, like a leader, but I'll just still continue to be part of what God is doing on my campus. And he was like, it was funny because this was before, you know, this was early on. And now like my parents are really, you know, part of this ministry as well. And so I just give God glory for my willingness to say, yes, okay, no problem. I'll drop it all. And even the, even still, like I'm, I'm still here many, many years later. So in essence, you chose simply just not to sin. Yeah. And we're going to go there next. You can go ahead. Yeah. The scripture that came to mind um, was first Peter chapter three, verse one. And it says, wives in the same way, submit to yourselves, to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they will be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of their lives. And mm-hmm. so I, when I read that scripture, I don't just see wife and husband, but I see anybody that is in a higher authority than you. Anybody like a, a a person, whether it's, um, you know, parent and son or boss and serving, whatever it is, if we submit, it's, it's like our, once, once you say that you're a believer, now you are being read, you are being watched, you know? So now I'm no longer representing myself, but I'm representing Christ. And I know that when I represent Christ in this way, that they can be won over. I don't have to go and say, you know, always yelling their ear, Jesus, Lord, Jesus, Lord, but they will see, hold on. Something has changed about Eunice. You know, what is it that has changed? You know, and I think even in my house, just giving an example, even though we were pastor's kids, the, all, all of the children weren't really born again, but it started with two of us and then the others were watching and then they became born again one by one by one by one, just because they saw that, okay, Eunice is not angry like she used to be angry. And they used to come and talk to me like, what is going on? You know, before I'll just yell and push and everything, but I'll, you know, I'll just like, let's talk, let's settle, you know? And so something shifted. And because of that, they were won over to the Lord, you know? So it's not just by you saying, but it's by your actions as well. Yeah. By their fruits, we shall know them. Know them. I yes. think uh, at this time we will have to make, uh, you know, go to talk about the solutions. But even before that, it's very important that everybody knows that the greatest weapon of Satan for derailing the believer is sin. Yes. You know, sin in any form or shape is like, you know why it is so? Jesus died for our what? Sin. sin. So picking up sin after you have become born again, is to say that the cross has no power, Power. has no authority. It's it's becoming like Satan yourself Mm because then you are kicking against the very God that you are claiming died for you. So we need to understand that. And that's why all over the, all through the scriptures, we have warned about staying away from sin. So now is Satan is our spiritual enemies. We agree, right? We yes, are all in the yeah. same. Is our, there, Satan is our spiritual enemy. He wants to contradict God all the time. So what are the solutions as believers that we have? I can go from just a simple uh, solution. Be holy. Yes. Be holy. Live a holy life. The Bible says that, you know, that Satan came after Jesus Christ, but couldn't get him because he could not find anything, anything in, in him. In him. 
Yeah. And you say, but can a human being not sin? Can we no longer sin? Yes, it's possible to not sin. It's possible not. I mean, if it's not possible to stop sinning, I don't think God would demand us. Demand it from us, right? Yeah. Like I can't demand from a three-year-old, you know, uh, certain things he cannot do. Right. God knows it's possible for us to live a sin-free life if we pursue it. Yeah. You know. First John three nine even says, "Whoever is born of God does not no, commit no, sin. sin. We do not continue to habitually sin. So it is possible. And even with Job, a very practical example, Job thirty one one, he said, "I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look at a lustful woman." That's another way to, you know, overcome a solution. Make a covenant with your eyes and say, Lord, by your grace, I say that I will not look at a lust at a woman or a man lustfully making a covenant. And even another one is, you know, John 8, 31 to 32, where Jesus says, if you remain in me, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So it's not just, okay, I can memorize scriptures and I can quote them, but to actually know the truth is to have an actual relationship with Jesus Christ, who the scriptures point to. Because remember, the scriptures also say, you know, you read the scripture because you think that in them you have life, but they actually point to me. So it's knowing Jesus in the scriptures, finding Jesus in the scriptures and abiding in them so that you will actually be free yeah it says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world yeah. we yes. must become aware that satan is not greater than jesus yes he's not yes. stronger than jesus we must not be afraid and i was telling you know earlier we were discussing and i told you what happened in mark chapter chapter 5 verse 12 mm -hmm. remember when yeah. they, they, they they gathering and jesus christ when the demons were ready to leave the gathering the man they looked at jesus they said please please <laughs> put us into the pigs don't 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 just throw us anywhere we want to they ask for permission to go into the pigs uh, after I read that scripture, I said, oh my goodness, why are believers afraid that Satan will enter them? Yeah. Why are people so much afraid? It's, they couldn't even enter the pigs. They had to get permission to enter the pigs. Yeah. Then you wonder, then you, you appreciate that we are covered. Yes. Believers are what? Covered. We are covered. The We're pigs, covered. even the pigs were covered. That's why they had to get permission. So how much more believers who are carrying the grace of God, the anointing of, you know, the Lord, even if you go to conferences, people have to, when they see deliverance, they say, demons will enter me. Demons will enter me. <laughs> demons have no right over mm -hmm. you. You say, touch not my, the, my anointed yes. and do my prophets you know, no harm. harm. When we have this boldness, Satan stays away from us. Amen. Yeah. And, and one of the solutions as well comes from Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Sorry. Okay. So the Bible says, well, I'll read from 6 to 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so the answer in that scripture is prayer yes. um, and just really thanksgiving, um, because in prayer and thanksgiving, when you commit your you commit everything to the Lord, like you are able to encounter his peace, his direction, his his love, everything that he actually has for us as believers that we're actually called to walk in. And so um, I just want to encourage us to not to not not sit in our situation or lose hope in our yes. situation or or just begin to say like I'm like give up but really begin to I guess be offensive in the situation and and walk in prayer and walk yeah. in faith and walk in confessing the promises of God over our lives and walk in thanksgiving because there's so much that God has already done when we remember what God has done we will see that there's nothing that God cannot bring us through yes. there's so many times that I've seen like God move financially in my life and through ministry and things of that nature and I'm always like man my God owns a cat on a thousand hill like yes. like those kind of things that make me re realize like man there's that no need that I, I have that God cannot provide. Mm -hmm. And so like, like that, that remembering what God has done thousands of dollars in one minute, like what can he not do? Right. Yeah. So even if you're dealing with sin, the Bible says in James 5, 16 to confess your sins one to another so that they may, so someone may pray for you and that you may be healed that the prayers of a righteous person avails much. And so in community, you find safety as well. Don't, do this walk with the Lord by yourself and think Isolation. that you're going to get out of your, your, I, get out of depression. You're going to get out of hiding. You're, you're going to be lost unless you have people who know what you're going through or are able to agree with you as you pray. Amen.
And I think in the in the same way earlier, I talked about how um, if we want to understand, you know, the devices of the enemy, then we have to understand the nature of Satan. And in the same way, if we want the solutions, we have to understand the nature of God himself. It's that he is a shepherd. He is a father. And he's a good father. And that means that whatever happens to me, you know, it is good. Um, First Peter, chapter one, verse six says, so be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold through your faith, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So through all everything that I'm going through, even through the trials, I can rejoice because I know that my God is a good God. And that means even through my trials that the Lord will still receive the glory and I will still come out stronger than when I came in. Amen. Also choose hope. The Bible says in Job 14, 7, that even a tree has more hope if it is cut down, that it will sprout again and grow new branches. If you are failing, if your grades are slipping, you're not understanding in your classes, choose to have hope because Hope, like hope literally brings life. A hopeless Christian is a dead Christian. Choose to hope against hope like Abraham did. Romans 4, 18, it says against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. A very old man reaching a hundred years old, he chose to hope in God's promise and he had a child. Another scripture, sorry, I'm throwing them out, but I hope we're writing these down and taking them. Romans 12, 12, it says, be joyful in hope, not sorrow not confused, not doubting, but choose to even have joy while you're hoping. It also says, be patient in affliction. Don't be questioning God, trying to rush God, but be patient saying that, you know what? Like David said, my affliction was good for me that I may learn the Lord's precepts in Psalm 119. Then it also says, be faithful in prayer. Don't just pray when things are good or when things are bad. Pray continuously, be faithful in prayer. Amen. Amen. You know, James chapter four, verse seven says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I love that because then it requires that we resist him, that we push back. Satan needs to be pushed back on. Let's push him. Let's push him. He falls. If you can push long enough, you will see he will leave you alone. But when we lie down for him, he will climb all over us and he will take over. Amen. And I'll just, um, you know, share this scripture, which will really help us is Ephesians 6. And this really just gives us the full round circle solution, talking about the armor of God, starting in verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I encourage you to just read verse 10 to 18 slowly, like 10 times. And look at every verse individually and begins to say, Lord, how can I apply this to my life? He says, be strong in the Lord, not in your own power, but be strong in the Lord's power, put on his full armor. And that's how you're able to stand against all the devil's schemes. He says, even after you've done everything possible to stand, still choose to stand, make up your mind to stand, make up your mind to resist, make up your mind to be very active and remaining victorious as a Christian. And all the instructions are there with the, with the armor of God. And imagine a sold, a soldier, you know, who's going to war. There must be a helmet. There must be a shield. There must be a, a buckle around your waist. There must be shoes. That's how you know that you're covered on every single side. So take on the full armor of God. I'm going to give everyone an opportunity just to share just one or two closing statements, very brief, because we're rounding up um, as we conclude this um, podcast episode. So we'll go around this way. 
Um, yeah, I guess the closing, the closing statement is just, um, just reiterating the scripture that he who is in you is greater than he that's in the world, mm-hmm. you know, so the Lord is with you, um, regardless of what the enemy is throwing at you, because the father is a good father. If we cling to him, if we lean on him, he's able to see you through whatever you're going through. Amen. Amen. And my closing remark is just Mark 11, verse 22. Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. And I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Amen. So we are not ignorant of the devil's enemies' devices. And the only way we're able to overcome his devices is by having faith in God, to remember, to know his promises and to be able to declare his promises and be able to walk in the purpose in which he's called us to walk in and to also fight. Like we've been saying with Ephesians 6, really just making sure you fight, that you don't you don't let the enemy take you captive, um, but you are you walk in your victory because the Lord has died for you to walk in victory. Amen. 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 Yeah, I would simply say, don't do business with Satan under any condition. If you will perish, it's better to perish than transact business with Satan. Mm. And I would just simply say, know who you are in Christ, know your rights, know what it means to be a child of God, that the enemy cannot touch you unless you yourself decide to give into his schemes and allow him to outwit you. But I pray that with the scriptures that we've shared, with the testimonies, with the examples that, you know, you're able to grab these things, go back into your prayer closet and present them before the Lord. Think about the areas in which you have seen you've been susceptible to the devil's schemes. Is it that you're feeling hopeless and depressed? Is it that your family's being attacked? Are you being overcome? Come by spiritual warfare is that you've seen that you have itching ears that you've allowed the enemy to twist the word of God and cause you to believe lies whatever the scheme of the device is know that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free amen, amen. so with that I want to pray Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray for all of us. I pray for the brothers and sisters who are listening to this podcast, God. I pray that we would not allow the enemy to take advantage of us, God, but that we would know and even expose his devices, God. And we would choose to believe in your truth. We would choose to remain in you, Christ Jesus, to crucify the flesh and his passions and to hide ourselves in you, oh God. Father, I declare that every person who is listening, who is in bondage to one thing or another, to the lies of the enemy. I pray as they have heard your word, may it liberate them in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and remind them of these truths when they're faced with temptations, when these things begin to to, to become real. Father, whether it's sexual temptation, whether it is sin, whether it is the different devices of the enemy, I pray that, Lord, your word would come and fall upon good soul in every single heart. I speak to you, you who are in bondage, and I declare that you shall be free and free indeed in the name of Jesus. Amen. We shall not be overcome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if you are listening and you know you are struggling, you feel isolated, you feel cornered by the enemy, please reach out to us. You can contact us at contact at BethelCampusFellowship.com or our prayer team, intercession at BethelCampusFellowship.com or go to our website, BethelCampusFellowship.com and submit a prayer request. We are here to surround you in prayer, to lift you up and to bear your burdens with you. Amen. 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 With that, we thank you for tuning in. Please um, look forward for more episodes and God bless you.